This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Good morning, church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're sovereign over all things. Father, you're sovereign over our lives and our future. Help us to understand how much you love us. Help us to understand how secure we are in you. We thank you for your word that uh, we can know that we don't have to be anxious about these things. Um, You teach us that if we seek first your righteousness, that all the things that we need will be added to us. We thank you for that. We thank you that you lead us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. We pray as your word is read this morning and as your servant um, teaches from your word that we would, um, your word would uh, be received well by us, that we, you would give us hearts to, to hear and to understand and to apply it to our lives. We pray these things in your precious Savior's name. Amen. And now I'd invite Andrew to come and read the word. Morning, church. Good to see you all this morning. Scripture reading this morning is Genesis 40. Hear the word of the Lord. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against the Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And when he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison where Joseph was confined... The captain of the guard was appointed, or sorry, appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So when he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house. Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, we've had dreams, and there is no one who can interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do interpretations not belong to God? Please tell me, tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to them, in my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it was budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days, and in three days Pharaoh will lift lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hands as formerly when you were the cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so to get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. And when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream that there were three cake baskets on my head, and in the utmost basket there was all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But when the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. And in three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you 
and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. And on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup on Pharaoh's hand. But he, chained, or sorry, he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Andrew. All right. So things are not looking good for Joseph. He was sold into slavery at the age of 17. And we saw that back in Genesis uh, 37, verse 2. That's how we found out how old he was at the beginning of all this. And by looking ahead, we know he doesn't get out of prison until the age of 30. Right? So if you go to the next chapter and look at verse 46, uh, you'll see that. And so that's 13 years in slavery and imprisonment. We don't know how long for each, but we do know that he was in prison for longer, at least longer than two years. Uh, we're told in verse 1 that the events that happened in chapter 40 happened sometime after Joseph was put in prison. Okay, not shortly after, but sometime after. En enough time for uh, the keeper of the prison to be, uh, to be able to have favor upon Joseph and put him in charge of all the prisoners. So whatever some time is, it's always too long when it comes to difficult situations, isn't it? When some time passes and things don't improve, we can lose hope. And not just hope that our situation will improve, but hope in God. We ask the questions... Is he there? Does he care? We see the answer for Joseph is yes. Joseph is still hoping in God. We have clues in this text that point us to that reality in Joseph's life. And these will be helpful for us as people who are hoping in God as well. Because if we see these clues in our life, we can be confident that we are hoping in God as well, particularly when times are tough. Here's the outline for the clues to Joseph's hope. Concern for others, speaking about God, and being real. So if you're going through a tough time, See if these things are there in your life. You might need this if your faith is being shaken right now, or maybe down the road. So let's begin. Concern for others. Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, gets enraged with two important people in his palace, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. Now, they might not seem like important people to us, but in this time and culture, they were very important. They were responsible for 
Pharaoh's well-being. There would have been attempts to try to knock off the leader. Uh, So you imagine the person who supplies the drink for him and his his bread uh, is pretty important. There had to be a high level of trust with these individuals. And not just at that level as well, they would be in the inner court of Pharaoh, and so he would often confide in these people as well. We see a cupbearer later on in scripture. Maybe you know him, Nehemiah. Interesting too, a foreigner being a cupbearer to a, to, to a king of a, of a different nation. And, and this was often the case as well because they wanted to make sure that perhaps you know, someone who's not akin to their own nationality would be less likely to try to knock them off, <laughs> take the throne. Something must have happened, though. Whatever it was, um, like a plot being exposed to poison Pharaoh, maybe, whatever it is, he thinks that one of these two guys, maybe both of them, are behind it. Whatever the case, an offense or sin was committed against their Lord, the king of Egypt. So here's what Pharaoh did in verse 3. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. So if you remember, the captain of the guard was actually Potiphar's position. Remember that was his title as an official? So this could be him if he's still holding that position. But it's, it's not really important because he's not, he's not mentioned. But you can see sort of the connections here. Here's what the captain of the guard does in verse 4. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. So these are high-profile prisoners, so Joseph is assigned to them because he's built trust in this prison system because of the Lord's steadfast love shown to him that granted him the favor uh, with with the keeper of the prison. If you're in Christ, you never have to question God's steadfast love, his unfailing love for you. Never. It doesn't change whether you are in a difficult time or relatively pleasant time. Even if you are the source of that difficult time, God's love is constant for you if you are in Christ. Amen, indeed. The custody of these two prominent men continue for some time. Again, we don't know for how long, but long enough to note that some time passed. That's the second time. Did you notice the second time in this passage that we've noted the passing of time? The text wants us to get the sense that that things are dragging on. These sequences that we're reading are not one immediately after the other. Time is stretching out. It's dragging on. And isn't that how difficult times usually go? They drag on and on without a clear end in sight. It's, it, it, it's not a fun fact, but it's an important one to remember. 
Often things don't turn around right away, but we can trust that God is working. He is always working. And if Jesus is our Lord and Savior, he is working for us and never against us. One night before these, uh, both of these guys have different dreams. And the next day, we see in verse 6, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? We might easily skip over this part, but it's important. Joseph was to attend to these men, which would have been to make sure that they were getting the food they needed to eat, uh, the water they needed to, to drink, but not necessarily to make sure that they weren't troubled. I mean, they're in prison, right? Joseph could have looked at these two troubled men and thought, they think they have troubles? They should hear my story. Or, or maybe thought, you know, they look troubled, but I have enough to worry about myself. Both thoughts are, are, are the same in that they focus inwardly, don't they? This is what we're prone to do in trials, to, to focus inwardly, only. Joseph's concern for these two men and their troubled souls shows where his heart is during this drawn-out bad situation, not just on his own circumstances, but those around him. This is a sign that Joseph has hope, because hope helps others. When we have hope in God, we are able to get our eyes off of ourselves and to see that there is something bigger going on than just our circumstances. And th this is not minimizing our situation, Okay, and we'll, we'll see that clearly later. But it's realizing that there's a bigger story going on here. And there are other characters involved besides me, besides ourselves. Stepping into the larger narrative can be actually freeing because it takes the pressure off everything being about only us. It, it lifts that weight to a degree. We often think our life is on hold when we're in a trial, but that's not true. Life is not on pause. It's on a bumpier road. It's not surprising that, that helping others is actually good for us. In fact, research has shown that it has mental and physical health benefits. Think about this example. You know, when, when, there's, when there's a trial going on and, and you shift the weight. Think of the example of when you're sick, just maybe with the flu or something like that. When, when you 
when you shift your mind or when you sh when you shift when you're not feeling well and you and you have to do a task and you shift to that task you somehow as you're doing that task feel better it's not that you are actually better but it's just that your focus has shifted and you're not thinking about how sick you really are you've ever experienced that I, th this, is, this is what it's all about here. It's, you can see we're, we're, we're tending to turn inward, okay, but doing that all the time and never turning outward, never turning to others, never turning to God actually does us more harm than good. So a clue that Joseph's hope is, is in God is still alive is his concern for others. It shows us his eyes are not just fixed on himself. So if you're going through a trial, if you're going through a, diff through a difficulty, are your eyes only inward? Or are they focused toward other things? Toward others and more importantly, toward the Lord. Let's move to our next point in the text. It begins in verse 8, speaking about God. So the cupbearer and the baker tell Joseph what they, why they are downcast in this first part of verse 8. They said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. So dreams were a big deal to the Egyptians. They believed that when you slept, you were in direct contact with the dead and, and their gods that they worshipped. Therefore, dream interpretation became an important and complex science to the Egyptians. And that skill was often reserved, most often reserved for specialists. Because their future was uncertain, these dreams weighed heavily upon these two men, especially since these dreams contained elements of their jobs as the cupbearer and the baker. Here's the response in the second half of verse 8. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So look who Joseph is still talking about. God. It's even a touchy subject for Joseph since it was telling his dream that caused his brothers to hate him even more and that whole thing unfolding. <laughs> what does Joseph mean by, do not interpretations belong to God? Considering that he knows that the Egyptians see dreams as revealing the unknown future, Joseph is saying, with this statement, that the future belongs to God, and therefore its meaning is not a human art that the experts can predict, but a gracious gift that only his God could give. I think it's important to say something briefly about dreams, because I don't want you going home and starting a dream journal. because that's putting your focus and energy in the wrong direction. Dreams were used by God, 
and they continue to be used by God in different ways. But the emphasis on this side of the completed Bible is the Bible. We don't have to listen to God's voice in a dream because he has spoken through the pages of Holy Scripture. That's that's what we need to be journaling about, the, the word. The two officials don't inquire about who God is, so we can deduce that Joseph has already told them about the God of his family. This is another clue of hope, talking about God. Talking about God reminds us of his reality, reminds us of his presence. And you also speak about the things that are most important to you. If you're going through a trial, keep speaking about God to yourself and to others. And if you're doing that, that's a clue that you have hope. And that hope is in the right direction. Let's move to the last point, being real. So Joseph listens to the dreams, and the Lord gives him the interpretation, and he shares it with them. One is favorable, the other is not. So the one with the favorable interpretation, the cupbearer, Joseph says this, starting in verse 14. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and to get me out of this house, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that that they should put me into the pit. So again, we get a little insight into Joseph's heart here. He doesn't say, the Lord has a reason for this, for me being here, even though that's true. He doesn't say, I I must deserve this time in prison. Maybe maybe I've done something which which is wrong, which 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 is why I'm here which is not true. No, he he desperately wants out. He reminisces about his hardships, stolen out of his land, unjustly imprisoned. Don't sugarcoat your situation. If it's unfair and tastes bitter, Tell God about it. And tell others about it who who love you and can help you. Resist the urge to be the super Christian. There's no such thing. But you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Like nothing affects you, as if nothing affects you. You're going through a trial and you say, this too will pass. Or "There's, there's people going through worse things than me. Or, I'm I'm just trusting the Lord. Or, God is in control. Okay, look, all those things are true. But if that's all we're saying, we're ignoring the fact that trials are hard. And they take a toll on us, physically, mentally, and spiritually. 
being honest about this is, is part of, of, with one another, is part of gospel culture. We don't try to pretend like everything is all right all the time because that's not true in this fallen world that we live in, is it? Joseph's words show us that he is not sugarcoating the situation. He's like, I don't want to be in this pit. I want out. He's being honest with others. And so we can extrapolate that he is being honest with God. We know Joseph must have lamented in prayer as a, as a slave and, and as a prisoner. I imagine Joseph praying something like Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord? Remember, 13 years. 13 years as in slavery and in prison in combined. How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? These prayers are okay to pray. They're in the Bible. They're okay to pray if that's where your heart is. The Lord would rather hear your heart than have to see it through a fake prayer that ignores the problem and how you're really feeling about it. I mean, he knows anyway, right? Why, why do we try to hide it? A real relationship with God doesn't try to hide it. And that's why we have laments in the Bible. Here it is, Lord. This is, this is how I'm feeling. This is the circumstance, and it's terrible. And I hate it. And I feel like you're not doing anything about it. Joseph asked the cupbearer to show him kindness by mentioning him to Pharaoh. But look what happens after three days when these dreams come true in verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. I don't know about you, but if I were Joseph here, I would have thought that this whole situation with these two officials and their dreams was God's plan to get me out of prison. And when that didn't happen, Joseph must have been devastated. I would have been. Now, this was God's plan to get him out of prison with these two guys, but not right now, and, and not just for a trial in front of Pharaoh to try to prove his innocence so he could be set free. Again, God has a bigger story that he's writing, which we'll see in the weeks ahead. We learn in the next chapter that Joseph doesn't get out for another two whole years. Imagine that. Imagine that when, when he told the cupbearer that and he left the prison, 
Joseph must have been hopeful that, that any day he would be summoned out because of the word that he spoke to the cupbearer. And he thought, you know, this, he's, he's talking to Pharaoh right now, I bet. Every time he heard the outer door of the prison open, I bet you he was like, this is it. This is, this is it. It's going to happen. It's happening. But days turned into weeks, and weeks turned into months, and months turned into years. And his excitement turned into disappointment. I think that's what the biblical author is showing us with this double emphasis of the cupbearer not remembering and forgetting. You notice how that's an emphasis there? It means it was a big deal for Joseph. He asked the cupbearer to remember him and show him kindness, but the cupbearer forgot Joseph and therefore no kindness came. But the Lord has not forgotten Joseph. The Lord's kindness was still upon Joseph. That would be his only comfort here. Keep that central in your life if you are in Christ. The Lord has not forgotten you, and his loving kindness is always upon you, no matter what. Even if you think that ace in the hole, that, that sure thing that's going to get you out of it, doesn't come through. That will keep you grounded. God's loving kindness that never comes off of you and will help you in the decisions that you make as you keep moving down that bumpy road. Joseph's father, Jacob, when he was, when he was younger, was unaware of God's presence. When God first appeared to Jacob in the Stairway to Heaven dream, Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Joseph, in contrast, is aware of God's presence, and we saw that when he said in the last chapter, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What a contrast. This made all the difference as we've seen, or as we saw how Jacob handled things, and how Joseph does, how he makes wise and God-honoring decisions at every turn in the road of difficulty and disappointment. Sugarcoating reality is a way of not believing that God could get it, let it get this bad for us. Not sugarcoating a bad situation and being real about what we are going through is a clue that we're hoping in a God who is with us in the darkest of valleys and is still working for our good and his glory. There's a gospel picture here in this narrative. In verse 1, Pharaoh is called the king of Egypt, the lord of the cupbearer and baker. It's a rare description in the Bible of Pharaoh. These two officials 
sin against their Lord and are condemned. On the third day, after the dreams, the Lord lifts the head of one and restores him, but the other is judged. Why is one saved and the other judged? The only thing we see here is because it was Pharaoh's birthday. Pardons on a Pharaoh's birthday are recorded in later Egyptian texts. The cupbearer receives a gracious gift from his Lord. We have all sinned against our Lord, the King of heaven and earth. We are all under condemnation, but God, but God has graciously sent his Son to restore us to himself through his sacrifice on the cross. It is a gift of grace that can be received by faith. Joseph continues to be a picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus as he continues to suffer unjustly. You remember that? We never see Joseph doing anything wrong, yet he suffers unjustly, just like Jesus. And just like Jesus, we will see that his suffering results in the saving of many lives. Jesus suffered to offer you salvation. Have you believed and embraced that? Are you following him as the king of your life? That's a question only you can answer. Let's pray. Father, there is a ton of application here in this chapter this morning, particularly for the believer in Christ. And so help us to embrace the things that, that we need to. Father, you, you know our capacity. Oftentimes we just need to grab onto one thing and just, and just hold onto that and implement it into our life. And so whatever that is for the brother and sister in Christ Jesus today, help them to do that this morning. But there's only one application for the person who is not in Christ who has not confessed them as their Lord and Savior, made them the king of their life. And that's to humbly come before Jesus Christ and ask for salvation, to ask for grace, to ask for mercy. And so, Father, help them just to pray a simple prayer in their heart that goes something like this. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he took all the sin of the world on him. Thank you that he suffered unjustly for my sin on the cross. I accept him as my savior. And I declare him the king of my life. Father, those words aren't magic, but they, they get the idea across. I pray that that would be their application this morning for the person who is without Christ, that they would pray a, pray a prayer like that, if that's truly what they desire. 
and help them to walk in the newness of life that's found in Christ alone. For we ask in his precious name, amen. This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon.